special edition podcast uh, focusing on MobFest 2011. I know we had been telling you guys about uh, the possibility of us going there, and surprise, surprise, uh, we went. We uh, ventured into uh, the uh, North Loop in downtown Chicago uh, once again, uh, back to the Hard Rock Hotel, Kyling. We, we've been there a couple times, so, several times, actually. Right? A few times. I've had some really memorable uh, live music experiences there. Really? Like what? Um, a few. I We saw um, Perez uh, Hilton had a, a wonderful um, party get-together there for Lollapalooza last year. Yeah. And we were there and had a kind of a good experience. There was a lot of new bands and... I love going to those live shows when you don't know any of the bands. You don't even know what kind of music, what genre they they play. But you show up and you um, somehow find like a favorite new band, and that was that was the case for me last year. Or so yeah. Um, what band did you uh, walk out of there with? As I really like I really liked Lizzie, and I didn't think I would, but um, you know, really enjoyed her. And and then the year before that, I believe it was the year before that. Um, we went to see Samantha Ronston with DJ, which I didn't think I'd really like. Yeah, that was a, but that was an end interesting up, show. But uh, really enjoying it. So yeah, see that's part of the that's part of the fun of kind of what we do. You know, uh, we cover a lot of different types of music. You know, and I think we uh, we intentionally do that. You know, we uh, we enjoy the mainstream, right? You can't deny the mainstream. There's definitely some good stuff, and there's definitely a lot of you know uh, independent underground stuff that's uh, worthy of. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of stuff going on in Chicago. It's uh, And this year, uh, I actually really, really enjoyed, um, there was the D- two girls that did DJing there, <laughs> and I liked them. I mean, they were basic, they were basic um, DJ at, beats, but... At Mobfest. At Mobfest, yes. Yeah, Lewis and Clark, I believe, was yes, their name. Yes, their name was right? Lewis and Clark. Yeah. And, and I they were I They were them. by far the most active, and like they were so into their own beats that like I was amazed at that, just kind of watching them kind of dance and, you know, raise their hands and shake their hips and all that kind of stuff, you know, and... They got the crowd moving. People were excited to to see them, and uh, they got people dancing, and um, and they actually kind of helped divide the the sets, you know, during the day and the different bands that came out, so there was kind of a filler, should I call it? Yeah, yeah, no, Lewis and Clark, they, uh, I believe their slogan was, the dopest DJs since George Washington. Was their was their slogan? They had on little pieces of paper uh, cut out on the uh, on the table. So it was a very interesting setup. I, I like the Hard Rock Hotel. If you haven't had a chance to go down there and check out a show, uh, it's a pretty interesting place to to see a show. There's a lot of memorabilia on all the floors. You know, we were looking at uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Rolling Stones, uh, Keith Mick Jagger, uh, Keith Richards, Keith, uh, oh, Velvet Keith Suit. You know, oh, okay. and while we were waiting to interview one of the bands, which we'll get to in just uh, just a moment here. Uh, Colleen was uh, plucking the strings of uh, a limited edition Sting uh, bass that's uh, just kind of stage right. Um, you can't get there if you don't, if you can't get beyond the velvet rope, but they allowed us to go back there because we were going to interview the bands and we were, when we were waiting, you know, we were kind of amazed at some of the uh, memorabilia there. So it's a cool place to go check it out. And now, um, we want to get into the into the show. Um, actually, we're going to get to some music news. I'm getting kind of ahead of myself here. But basically, we talked to two bands while we were there at uh, MobFest 2011, uh, Makeshift Prodigy, which is a uh, experimental. Um, they do a little art rock, uh, 
you know, they're influenced by Radiohead and a bunch of other, you know, very performance heavy bands that, um, mix, you know, piano, uh, synths, drums, guitar, bass, all that kind of stuff. And then we also interviewed, uh, California Wives. Uh, we had the pleasure of seeing them for the first time in, um, South by Southwest back in Austin a couple months ago. And they're from Chicago and it was great to see them on their home turf. So we, Wanted to talk with them a little bit about that. And they're actually, before they were playing Mobfest, they are playing the Taste of Chicago outside of Grant Park to, in front of thousands of people there. So they actually came from that venue, big outdoor venue. And there's a special story attached to the whole thing, too, with one of the band members. Um, but we'll, we'll get into that in just a moment. But they went from the um, Taste of Chicago to playing indoor you know, they literally packed their bags and you know instruments and drove down Michigan Avenue a couple miles uh, to play uh, at uh, Hard Rock Hotel. So, and we talked to them about that. I thought it was kind of interesting going from that type of audience to the Hard Rock audience. You know, and kind of asked them a little bit to explain kind of what it was like going going there and kind of what they learned from playing South by Southwest, which they had a lot to uh, to share with us about that. But before we get to that, I think it's time to get to a little music news, Colleen. What, what do you think? Yeah, music news. You know, we have uh, <laughs> we have a busy. It yeah, it's always busy with music news, right? There's always something I mean, going on. Gosh, live music is never boring. Let me tell and you. And if there's nothing going on, that means it's not being reported, right? If you don't hear about anything, that means there's something going on and just not being reported, right? Right. And if, and if we're if it's not being reported, if it's not A or B, then we go with no, a C option. We just we just make stuff up, right? We yeah, have, or, or interview people that tell some wonderful stories about things that they actually eyewitnessed. Yes, yes. Because there's nothing better than a than a, a real news story is a fictional news story, and we haven't made those yet. But I think we're gonna get to a point where, you know, live music uh, funnel, you know, the news funnel might be a little little dry. So. Stay tuned. You might need. You might hear a, a fictional story, or uh, you might have to pick one out of the uh, of the new kind of like that. What do they do? That uh, NPR story where they wait, wait, don't tell me thing. We might do that for music. You know, as pick the right live music story. Which which one is real? Which one is fake? But, yeah. You know, who knows? Maybe, maybe not. But anyways, it's time for some music news, everybody. Li- live music news, and what we have in store here is uh, first. Uh, First up is uh, U2. Um, they have, you know, they've been on tour and they've won some awards recently for the most uh, uh, grossing, successful tour basically in history, which isn't that much of a surprise because U2 is all about the grandeur. They're, they're huge. They're, they're bigger than life itself, right? And I guess I don't quite understand it. I'm not one of those um, U2 no? fans for you don't? life. Um, I like some of their songs, don't get me wrong, but I, I guess I don't get the phenomenon mm-hmm. of U2. Yeah. Oh, I've never heard of a U2 fan come and say, you know, their show sucked. Like, I've never heard them say that. Um, I've heard the grandeur and just the, the, you know, the awesomeness of you know, who they are live and what they're able to do is just um, unparalleled. So, but anyways... They're, they've been touring, and we've, we've covered this before. Uh, during their 360 tour, they're performing on a stage that uh, is being called the Claw. And this Claw thing is kind of interesting because it actually looks like a Claw. It looks like an alien. And the tour is coming to an end, but they don't want the Claw to die. They don't want the Claw to go back into, you know, like uh, Indiana Jones and the, and, the, and the Lost Ark or whatever. They don't want it to just go in some warehouse and just sit there, you know? They want to put it to use. So they're actually... They probably could sell it on eBay. They probably could make a killing <laughs> if they just took these and sold them on eBay. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Maybe... Or why don't they donate the things to charity and put the... You know, and give shelters to the homeless, you know? Why don't they do that? I don't know. Maybe Bono will think of that. Who knows? <laughs> Anyways, um, according to uh, some news reports that we've we've uh, looked at here with this U2 story, you know they don't want to put into a warehouse, and they haven't they haven't had any offers yet. There's no dollar amounts on what people want to do, but they want to turn these into permanent venues, possibly used 
as uh, stages on shorelines and you know as like an amphitheater kind of thing, kind of like what it's like to see a show in the, the Pritzker, Pritzker uh, Pavilion in Chicago, downtown area there, Millennium Park. Um, they they want to use these as uh, permanent venues, so we'll see how that goes. So very interesting, you two. You guys continue to amaze us. And uh, we should probably see a live show with you two sometime, I think. So if you, know? you see a claw in your area, you spot a claw, <laughs> please contact Live Fix. Yeah. Because we, is... we want to keep track of these. So we want to know where these end up. So if you show up at a venue, you watch a live show, and you realize that the claw is at that, that show, please contact us. Yes. And even better, if you're, you, if you're listening to this, of course, not if. You're listening to this, and you're a U2 fan, and you've seen the U2 in a claw. I have some friends that I know they're going to see U2 this month because they're wrapping up their tour this year, or, you know, this next couple months. If you've seen the claw, you've witnessed, witnessed it in person at a live show, and maybe you want to buy one and put it in your, you know, and own it yourself, you know, and host your own concerts with this thing, you know. I mean, maybe why don't they give it away to a fan and let the fan do it, you know. I don't know. But we want to hear the story. You got a claw story? You want to tell us about the claw? Were you up close? Did you see it? Did you touch? Did you touch the claw? I, we want to hear from you. Okay. Or if you have a picture of the claw. <laughs> hey, we will put up on our yeah. Flickr site. You know, Flickr site. If you uh, if you can send us a, a picture of the claw. Ab- absolutely. We want to hear. We want to hear from you guys. So. All right. Next music news point. No, a new story here. Um, this is uh, an interesting one as well. You know, the TV show The Voice, uh, if you guys have watched it. You know, I've watched, you've watched a couple times, Colleen? A couple right? times. A what couple do you times. Think? What do you yeah. think of it? It's good. It's good. I mean, I think what makes it the show is the judges, the, you know, the, I guess the coaches of the teams. You know, Christina Aguilera is on there this year, um, CeeLo. And, I mean, that's what I think really makes it, you know, because they coach these guys who really – I mean, they're good to start out with. I mean, they're good. I mean, they're good singers. They 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 can play instruments and things like that. But, um, but I think overall, people watch it because of the coaches. Yeah. And Christina Aguilera has had some of her own negative publicity lately. I know. And so I, I think know. that that's, sort of that's makes even people more, want to watch it a little even, bit more. Yeah, train wreck. You're right. You want to watch a train wreck or something like that because she had two. I don't know that she's gotten to the low hand point yet, but. You know, she's she's getting know. there. She's I'm really there. surprised that you know she she messed up the Star Spangled Banner during the Super Bowl, and then she fell down on stage during the uh, Grammys within like a couple weeks. And then she had a drunken um, oh, arrest yeah. as well. I forgot, I forgot about so, that one. Too. And that all happened, you know, fairly uh, close next to each other. Celebrities have it so tough, man. And a lot of artists have it tough. A few man. months within each other, that stuff happens. So, um, so yeah, I mean, she had a little record there, got this gig uh, on The Voice, and you know, things are working out for her. Seems like she's on the up and up. You know, I mean, she had that movie too that she did. I was like, ah, you know, like, I don't know. But apparently, The Voice. I think it's an interesting show because. It kind of lends itself to one of the experiments we've done on Live Fix, where we take the the eyes and we we say is the are the visuals impo- just as important as the uh, you know as the the hearing to a live music experience. I think it's interesting because the voices slant on the whole performance thing is that they've taken they've taken out the uh, the visual element and just let the merit of the person's voice and their ability. But the thing is, is what I don't it, get. You know? So they're not I, judging them, right? And I agree based with on that. The looks. But um, right? right. But the thing is, is that a lot of these stars, people they're coaching, they have seen that play again and again and again. So I don't know how much of a surprise and how much they actually use their ears yeah. to judge because they know these people and they continue to see them. So, um, so anyway, if you're a big voice fan, please contact us because we're still trying to. Figure that show out. Yeah, and what's uh, I guess we should actually say what the news item is, huh? The big, big news thing is that they're actually having a tour of the the Voice is going out on a. But it's not including coaches. Correct. So Christina Aguilera won't be there. They won't be Cito there. Apparently, be the there. apparently the pricing wasn't enough. They couldn't give these four coaches enough dough to go out on tour. So make them happy. Right. There was a little breakdown in the uh, compensation. 
uh, part of the negotiation. So, um, you know, the reports are reading here. People aren't too sure. Is this going to be a draw without the, you know, without CeeLo and Christina and, you know, Levine, you know, or Levine or whatever, how you say his name. But uh, remains to be seen. But if you've been on The Voice or you've been in the audience or CeeLo, Christina Aguilera or Adam Levine, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to talk to us about your live performance and your thing on The Voice, go ahead and uh, send And your experience being in the audience. It's pretty yeah. rare for those yeah. those stars. They're used to being, you know, on stage. So how's it been to be the actually be in the audience? That's a great point, Colleen. We glad you brought that up. So that's the voice. And our last news piece here, well, almost, almost last. We have a couple, one more extra here. Is um, something that's got me a little concerned, and it really, really surprised me when I read this headline. That uh, according to um, Billboard uh, report here, uh, Nevada, uh, D.C., and Missouri have the most live music per capita. Now hold 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 on a second. There's a couple <laughs> exactly nice face, Colleen. That your face right now is it, it is exactly how I feel when I read that headline because confused. Yes. Now according to uh, the uh, ticket startup called SeatGeek, the state with the most concerts for the state's population is Nevada. Washington D.C. is second, and Missouri is third. So. I guess there's a you know there there is some ratios going on here, so which is Seat Geek. Yeah, huh. I'll have to check that out. That's interesting. Yeah, S E A T G E E K Seat okay. Geek. So they're a startup, and apparently they've done this uh, little report, and we're gonna have a link to this on the blog, you know, LiveFixBlog.com, and this this podcast show notes. It's a really interesting uh, kind of infographic that Seat Geek has has put out here. It's got an interesting kind of gradient. Uh, using a guitar for highest density and lowest density and everything and kind of color-coded. So I'm looking at this map in the United States, and yeah. not only does Alaska have Sarah Palin, <sighs> yes, but they have zero concerts yeah. in Alaska this summer. Yeah. I'm confused. I'm very confused about that, and I wonder if that's correct. So do they mean actual big venues? festivals or do they actually mean i mean i can't imagine a whole state without live shows yeah so it may be what they're selling or what they're seeing um but it would be interesting to maybe interview someone from there to find out how accurate they are this is and how they did this study yeah and what's also kind of striking about this is that california is in white which is also designated as a lowest density according to their scale so that seems a little odd to me and texas with austin as one of the live music capitals of the world um is also pretty light in the gradient it's almost kind of white as well and illinois with chicago is kind of light blue so this is kind of an interesting little diagram here and you know reason we share with michigan's like uh, dark blue yeah, I don't know. And I don't know about you, but I mean, I went to Michigan just recently. And we talked about that, and I mean, I it was hard to find a concert, you know, venue. And the one we did was awesome in Grand Rapids, but um, which was called the Pyramid Scheme. But in general, we really couldn't find too much live music there. So that that's surprising to me. Yeah. See, what's interesting about this report too is that it's it's kind of deceiving a little bit, and. Again, we'll kind of look into this a little bit more. I don't think this will be the last time we'll talk about this because this is kind of an interesting uh, little thing here. But it says here, the ratings also suggest that not all of consumers' live music entertainment is enjoyed in or around their hometown. So, you know, they say Nevada most likely ranks as number one in the concert density because Las Vegas is a prime vacation destination with numerous entertainment options. So this is really a, you know... A graph, you know, infographic based on demand, you know, so people are demanding these types of uh, shows in here, and that's how this uh, Seat Geek has created this. So, again, this is an interesting uh, story, and we'll continue to follow this and you know dive a little bit into it. 
hopefully we can get maybe somebody from SeatGeek on the phone and uh, have them talk to us a little bit about this because this is kind of a strange, strange report. So, again, you, you can check this out. Uh, we'll have links to it on the, on the blog. So that's our, uh, almost our last uh, news item here. And the, the last thing is that uh, Glastonbury uh, Music Festival in, uh, in London, in the uh, U.K. there, uh, wrapped up, actually started last weekend and, you know, wrapped up uh, this week. And um, I saw some pictures of people getting in there. And, you know, Glastonbury has a reputation of being kind of a rite of passage uh, for live music fans, for festivals, because it's, it, it's, a, it's an endurance test. It's one of the biggest endurance tests. And I saw some pictures there and people trudging through mud. Uh, so it looks like fans had a great time once again. Uh, some I saw some uh, Radiohead rumors floating around, and you know, cold, it must cold always play. rain during that festival. Is every time <laughs> well, it's a very I wet area it, it, oh, okay. where, where, where that is. It's uh, the it's, climate is, is yeah, a wet climate. It's, it, it's, it lends itself to a very uh, every wet, picture I've ever seen is, is someone with mud on them <laughs> that went to that festival. So yeah, it's uh, that was just must be the climate that that area. It is, yeah. Has okay. Yeah, we I watched a documentary one time about. About Glastonbury, which is interesting, and that's kind of one of the things it's prided itself in. It's actually part of the brand of the festival. Is so they purposely have mud there. I don't know if they invite, a, you know, if they crack open a water main and, you know, and make it muddy on purpose, but uh, I think it, it's part of the branding. It's part of like I want Glastonbury. I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna see some music. I'm gonna get muddy. You know, that's that's kind of. Kind of what it is. So if you if you're if you're at Glastonbury or you played Glastonbury or whatever, or you photographed it, yeah, you know you, you're one of those muddy fans. Like we want to hear from you. Drop a comment on the blog. Send us you know an email and let us know how it went. Uh, if you came back with mud, if you came back with no mud, um, whatever happened, tell us. Okay, send in your your stories because I know Colleen wants to wants to hear about it, and I do too. So. So that just about wraps it up for our music news. And when we uh, we come back, well, actually, we're not going anywhere. I <laughs> I tricked everybody. We're actually staying right here because uh, coming up next, uh, this is an interview that we, when we uh, we did when we were at Mobfest with Anthony from uh, Makeshift Prodigy. And this interview that we're uh, going to send you into now is. Um, Kind of an interesting interview that we did with him because it took place in one of the rooms at the Hard Rock Hotel. And as you listen to the the recording of it, you know we uh, used our uh, trusty uh, blue microphone, uh, Mikey, uh, which has been uh, doing really well for these types of interviews. And the reason I bring that up is because you can hear the the pounding of the music. We were about four floors up from where the shows were happening, and you could still hear the pounding of the music coming through the um, uh, the floor. So we were kind of still immersed in the music experience while we were doing this interview. So I kind of thought that was interesting. Uh, a couple times during the interview, you can kind of hear the thump, 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 you know, of uh, of that. So that's what you hear. It's not the, it's not your ears. It's actually the music, you know, of uh, of Mobfest coming up, permeating through the floor and the walls of the Hard Rock Hotel uh, into our interview. So, uh, and I hope you enjoy that interview with with Anthony. Because um, you know, Colleen was snapping some uh, some good pictures uh, during uh, during the interview, and uh, you know when um, Anthony talked about you know a couple things in there about what he thought was most important, you know about the fans. He says a couple really in- really interesting things about what he you know what he expects of fans during during the show. So. Without further ado, here's uh, our interview with Anthony from Makeshift Prodigy. And when we come back, we're going to get into California Wives and, uh, and their interview. So we'll, uh, we'll see you in just a bit. Yeah. 
right, we're here at uh, MobFest, right, 2011. So and we're here with uh, Anthony uh, from Makeshift Progeny. And um, could you, Anthony, start off by telling us, you know, you were, before we uh, hit record here, you were talking about you know, some of the uh, design work you know, that you do. And could you tell us, you know, start out telling us a little bit about that and a little about you know, what the band has been up to and kind of leading up to the show. You guys will be playing the show you know, later tonight. but. Uh, Kind of yeah, tell us a little bit about um, what we were talking about in the elevator. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it, our band like takes a lot of pride in, in the fact that not only the music, but you know, our entire band is is kind of like our art project to, to give to the world the way that we look at it, and uh, you know, not just music, but um, I was telling I was telling you that uh, how I did the design for our T-shirts. That's our new merch that we just actually got today, which is going to be that's going to be the first show tonight. That um, we're, we're actually selling those to people, that, and I was really excited that um, you know, people are going to be not only hearing our music but walking around with, uh, with a, a design that you know, I, I did collectively, also with our artist that has done our album covers and stuff too. But um, so we took the actual design from our first album cover, cut it out, and turned it into a stencil, and then took like spray paint and made a made kind of like a graffiti outline, and then. Mm. Um, me and Joe, our drummer, did that, and then I did all our lyrics to our song alive, and edited it, and made it so it's all just one collective of not only our lyrics and and one of our album covers, and made the T-shirt, you know, and, and that's kind of the thing that I think is special about our band is like every aspect is done in house, you know. Joe does our web design. Joe's done all of our sound engineering up until now, so he's recorded our first two albums that you can get at MakeshiftProdigy.com. And makeshiftprodigy.com is, you know, something that exemplifies that because you know, like we both have done all of our graphic design together. Joe, like I said, did the website. All the music's done in our studio. Up up until what will be our next album release. I, I presume that he won't be doing it, but um, and you know, we do all our own songwriting, and which is expected. And uh, you know, that's just what's unique because we're all we're giving our own vibe all the time. And when it comes from the artist, it everything just comes very naturally and it's kind of how it goes you know for us at least a lot of bands do it differently and that's great too but mm -hmm. that's just something we believe in like we take pride in the fact that it's one presentation that comes from the band and uh, it's not tainted by really a anyone else's creativity and I think that's what something that like transcends to the listener and the, hopefully the fan a lot now, when you, uh, you, you must have been inspired by uh, some other bands, you know, kind of to get that, you know, that vision and then you combine it with your own, uh, what, what kind of uh, experiences have you had, you know, as a, as a fan, you know, to look up, you know, at an artist on stage or to, you know, buy a, a shirt at the show and wear it, you know, and kind of all those experiences, how those, you know, what, what sort of experiences have influenced you, you know, and, and to create you know, what you guys have. Yeah, you know, like growing up in the 90s, it was cool. I was always a concert goer, and um, some of my family had, had worked as, a, as union workers being in Chicago, you know, and uh, so I could always sometimes sneak into shows for free, even if I was a little too young and stuff. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big Radiohead fan, and, and like we got to see them come from, from where they started into this. Now I saw them at Lollapalooza two years ago, and they just like, they have a full production it's on just another level, you know, and obviously their music is just on another, to me, something that inspired me a lot. And, um, Sigur Rós a lot, too, you know, the way that they put their shows on and they, they incorporate this, like, element of nature and, and the beauty of the earth, kind of, which is really cool. So when we started making our first album, we wanted to incorporate what we told our artists for the art of it was like we wanted like an organic machine which is kind of something that hmm. that's what we wanted people to get the picture of an organic machine and that's kind of what we feel like our, our music is because the music starts so organic and then you know we're very savvy on electronics and doing that being Joe that's a sound engineer um, he you know he knows how to like make my vision come to life a lot if, even if I start on acoustic guitar or piano singing a song, he's very good at um, seeing and, and believing in what I, what I feel is where the direction we need to go. So a lot of times 
we'll have a song that's just uh, an acoustic guitar song or piano, like I said, and um, by the time it's done, it's this you know this monster of, of a song when all the band members get together and, and turn it into what what is makeshift prodigy in reality, you know, and, and it's really cool. Um, so that's inspired by obviously you know so many artists, but um, yeah, I would say like you know coming up in the '90s, like Radiohead was a big one, Nirvana, watching Kurt Cobain, and like you know I feel like he's influenced my voice a lot, you know, the way I sing and many other artists, but um, it's just cool to like finally, you know, being a fan that's watched all, all these bands do this and finally being part of it, you know, not that we're on their level, obviously, those are some big bands that I'm referring to, but, um, you know, we try really hard to, to just be ourselves, and, and that's the best thing about music is you can't be better than anyone else at being anything but yourself, mm -hmm. so... I take a lot of pride in that, you know, just be ourselves. There's a lot of bands that I think, even if whether it's intentional or not, you know, they end up sounding like other bands. And uh, our band's unique in that way is that we're so honest that I feel like it always sounds like us, no matter what it is. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. You know, there's a lot of, we were talking earlier about uh, some of the videos. Uh, you know, I had a chance to um, watch those. And it seems like there's a lot, you know, a lot of motion going on on stage, things like that. Can you, uh, you know, you guys are going to be playing you know, later tonight, and uh, I'm excited to see what you guys, you know, how it is, you know, being in a, a show with you guys uh, in a live situation, and I'm wondering what, um, what sort of little things, you know, that uh, go on that maybe, you know, some of the fans will be watching you guys, you know, and, you know, as, uh, you know, the whole macro situation. Can you explain some of the, some of the little things maybe that, uh, you know, are big, Big parts, you know, of your show that maybe people don't don't notice or you know aren't aware of you know what's going on. Yeah, well, you know, there's five members in our band, so there's a lot of things going on at the same time. But I think one thing that I notice personally is there's times where um, I can't see the crowd because it's very you know sometimes it's dark out there you know and stuff, and then there's times where like you know I'll get a glimpse of somebody that's like totally into it you know and just like sold on. What we've worked so hard to present to them you know, that's, that's the one thing that we've worked harder on our live show than anything in reality mm. um, in regards to music I mean but um, you know when you just look out there and see somebody that may or may not have ever seen your band perform before and they're just you know you know there's times where I've, I've seen people crying at our shows you know or like someone when we were in Cleveland recently we were on a tour and, and this guy came up to me and was just like you spoke to me on another level that was different than words could say, and you know he couldn't even define it. You know what I mean? And I was like, wow, like that's awesome because you know that's what music's here for, and um, you don't have to put it in words. Like I understand because I've felt the same feeling with other bands. Mm -hmm. But um, on the emotional aspect, yeah, I mean I feel like it, our music, um, we as people are, are extremely emotional, and, and me especially. Like I don't know. Um, I'm someone that wears my heart on my sleeve a lot, you know, so in my music that speaks through a lot, so I feel like the listener can really get that, and they feel it through our music because everything's so honest, like I said. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as, as in the live aspect, we've taken it to another level, um, you know, we sat there and, and figured out how to, how to build our own light show and, and like make this not only an audio experience like a lot of bands do, but we wanted it to be a visual experience, audio experience, um, an emotional experience. And if we could, if we could make you taste our music, we would try and do that mm. too. You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> tough to figure out how to make shit like that work. But um, yeah, so That's a good uh, idea. We're a band that really just you know focuses on stimulating every part of your brain when you check out our show. And, I mean, it seems like people react to it um, on a different level than than a lot of bands, you know. So hmm. I think it's special. That, you know, we're really proud of it. We're really grateful that we're in a position to be able to, you know, perform in front of, in front of as many people and hopefully make a change in their lives or, or maybe give them hope at some point when they're down or make them sad when they're extremely happy and they want to be sad. You know, I mean, I'm a person that listens to a lot of sad music and I enjoy putting myself in that mode, even if it's not attached to something I'm upset about, you know, like sometimes you just want to listen to music and 
good, you know, happy cry kind of sometimes or whatever. And I feel like we touch every aspect of that, or we try to at least. And some people get, take it one way, some people take it another way. And that's why when people ask me about my lyrics and stuff, like, I really hate defining what I'm singing about because I feel like it's up to you as a listener to define what I'm singing about. You know better than I do. If I'm writing about something, that's cool. And I would love to tell you what it's really about, but um, I really truly believe that it's for you to every individual to interpret my lyrics and our music however they will and apply it to their life, you know? Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting concept. A lot of I know early on, uh, you know, a lot of the radio, you know, some of the Radiohead shows I've seen, you know, I've seen Tom York kind of get, you know, uh, irritated or, you know, in some instances when people are singing along, you know, mm. during Creep, you know, or something like that, and <laughs> yeah. he'll just be like, yeah, be like that, and it's like, he, like he's annoyed, you know, at that, but it sounds like, you know, maybe not in the same way, but, you know, you're, you like, to, uh, you're, 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 you're inviting people actually during the show to kind of take what you've created you know as a band what you guys have created and hand it off yeah and put I truly you know, enjoy listening to people sing you know sing uh, our lyrics back to us you know I, I feel like that that's an honor that they would even not only be singing or listening but know the lyrics and, and want to give them back to us and I feel like you know they're giving it back to us which is really cool you know there's a communication between the band and the audience but um you know it's all it's always fun to sometimes just sit down and be in a silent room and, and have everybody be extremely attentive too. But that's more like acoustic show vibe, I feel like, for our band. We like people to get up and dance and, and have fun and feel however they want to feel and just forget about everything except for what they're doing and live in the moment kind of right there. But, uh, you know, sometimes when we're doing an acoustic show, it's nice to have people just, you know, be completely attentive and listen. Mm-hmm. But if they want to sing, you know, I'm not going to get mad at them or anything you know that's just ridiculous but uh you know it's just that's just our take on it you know great yeah i know you guys played uh played mob fest last year and you've recorded some music since then and obviously you played some live shows in what way have the shows that you guys played influenced the you know the music you've made or maybe in the past you know how is your the live music experience some of the things you were just talking about you know, how is that? How have you guys taken those experiences and brought them into the studio and kind of used that for inspiration? Like in what ways? You know, like you... yeah, I feel like everything we do, you know, you know, even if we're walking down the street and we're people watchers, kind of, you know, and just be like, oh man, what's going on over here? You know, whatever. There's people dancing. Why are they dancing? What's going on? Or, or you know, you know, like Taste of Chicago is going on right now. You know, just sit, sit around and um, and just watch people and. In our live shows, you know, we do the same thing and just observe. And I feel like um, I look at it like, and I get, like I said, this is me personally. I don't know if the rest of the band would agree on their own speaking for themselves, but um, I look at it like we're sponges. You know what I mean? And we take in all this water, which is like information or, or uh, inspiration, you know, and then write a song, and it's like you wring out a sponge and that song comes out and then you suck in more information after that song comes out and you ring it out again and another new song comes out and it's always different inspiration and it's always the songs are always different you know whether they be our sound or whatever it's always a different song and it's always about a different subject and i mean there's so much going on in the world today um that you can't not be influenced by it. i actually like i feel like i'd be mad if i couldn't not mad angry but like mad crazy if I couldn't write music because I don't know where all this would go. I don't, I don't know where I need to play music to express myself or I really feel like I'd go crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, I don't know. It's just I, we, we're so blessed to be able to give that gift to other people, you know, and um, I hope people understand it, you know, and that they love it because we really do. It's, it's all we have. It's great. Yeah, it's really great. Now you, you mentioned you guys have played, uh, you know, different cities and things like that. If you could play in maybe three, you know, three venues, you know, or maybe even just just one venue anywhere in the world, any spot, any place, where where would it be? Hmm. Well, that's a tough question. I, I love playing, uh, you know, 
Chicago is something special, and there's like a lot of venues that I've, um, not to sidetrack, but you know, as a band, we set goals, especially when we were younger. Like we we're like, man, let's, we want to play the Metro. That'd be like the dream come true, you know what I mean? And then we did, mm -hmm. and then we sold out the Metro. And then we were like, well, let's play the House of Blues. That'd be a dream come true. And then we did. And then we sold out the House of Blues. And then, you know, now it's like, well, I mean, shit. Civic Opera House or whatever. I, I really love the, um, what is it, the Sydney Opera House in Australia. Like, I just think that's such a beautiful looking venue or, you know, any, any places like that. I mean, they're have you been there roles, but Have we, you been there before? We, no, just no. I've seen, you know, I've seen it. And I wish I'd been to that side of the world yet. But, um. You know, there's all these places that just look amazing. You see, you know, Madison Square Garden and stuff like that. Obviously, that'd be pretty awesome. Red Rocks. I mean, mm -hmm. these are astronomical goals that you know where we're at right now. But that's what we've always done is to set these goals that are you know sky high and then go and grab them. And then now, what's the next goal? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, if we could play the moon, we play the moon. I tell you what, you know what I mean? It might be, it might too, be possible. Not too far and, uh, reach, you know? Yeah. yeah, in the near future, you never know. But, uh... Yeah, you, you two's getting, getting close yeah, to right. yeah, doing exactly. that. Yeah, right, exactly. You two will probably play the moon. They could play the moon and the, and the earth at the same time. <laughs> yeah. you know, if they, they wanted to. And what so. would they call it? It would be the 360 tour. It'd be like the zero gravity tour or some <laughs> shit like that. But, <laughs> I mean, that's what it's about. I feel like, you know, you set your goals high in whatever it is that you do, you know? Always believe in yourself and set your goals high and... You know, if you truly do believe in yourself, you'll achieve it. Whether you're an electrician or, you know what, you're whatever, you're into making video or anything, artist, musician, it's all the same. You just got to believe in yourself, and that's it. And I think that's what our band Makeshift Prodigy is about, is that we believed in ourselves and we planned on achieving our goals. There was no other option. And that's it. Hmm. Now, do you guys, uh, I mean, you guys are, you know, creating new music, you're creating art, things like that. What, uh, what kind of music are you guys uh, creating right now? Are you going to be playing some new songs uh, tonight, or what are you guys excited about as far as you know the uh, new music that you guys are creating? Yeah, we're, we're playing, I think we're going to play one new song tonight that's unreleased at least. Um, a lot of the other ones are from our previous albums, um, and we want to get more and more out, but we just really don't know what's going to be on our next album, so... It's hard to expose people to music, and then they're like, oh, I love that song, why is it on your album, you know? <laughs> but, um, so we're playing a new song, it's called Wake Up and Smile um, tonight, and we played it live a lot, and actually we're, we're planning on getting more of them into our live set, we've just been out of town so much, it's tough to rehearse all the new songs and learn what we wrote and stuff, and, and make it um, us again and everything, but... We're always listening to new music, every genre, you know, we just got back from Nashville and I mean, we were listening to blues, country, just, you know, just because the area we're in really, you know, you just get exposed to so much music when you're out in a place like that. And then we went and watched a couple of indie shows and saw some really great bands that were different. We watched this one band and it was so good. Um, we worked with this guy, Jared Johnston, and he's the singer of American Bang. Hmm. And, uh, we listened to his new side projects. They're called the Cadillac Black. You should check them out. And um, I mean, by the time Jake and I had left the show, we were going, I want to play Southern Rock, man. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Even though we can't do it, it's not our sound, you know what I mean? But, or, I mean? We could do it, but it's not real. You know, it's not natural. We're just fixated on how awesome that was. It was so great. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're always just, like I said, constantly influenced by everything. And it just comes out of us again it's like we filter it into our own ourselves and when it does come out for some reason it still sounds like us just because we try to stay ourselves and stay true to ourselves
Alright, that was uh, Anthony with uh, Makeshift Prodigy. Hope you guys enjoyed that chat. And now it's time for our second interview with uh, Mobfest uh, artist and Chicago, local Chicago uh, quartet, um, California Wives. It was, uh, again, another interesting interview. We uh, went around to a couple different spots, finally found a spot on the uh, streets of Chicago, and we had a unexpected visitor kind of intrude on our uh, interview there. Uh, but nonetheless, we were able to talk with the band, and uh, here's our chat. Dude, he looked at me and I made a motion to him and he did it for me. I 
that I'm watching this awesome band and not paying attention and doing my job. Whoops. Maybe Anthony Weiner was sending LOL. messages. Yeah. 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 people listen to this, this podcast in 10 years, nobody's going to know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> Who's Anthony Weiner? Who's that? Right. Great. Yeah. So you guys, uh, you know, you're a quartet. There's a lot of stuff that's going on on stage, you know, from you know, a musical perspective and everything. As far as chemistry goes and kind of how you guys are feeding off each other, you know, what's it what's it like, you know, for you guys, you know, individually or as a group? What, what are some of the things that, you know, maybe looking at you playing, people won't realize or... I mean, you pick up people's tendencies a lot and you can tell when things are going right and when things are maybe not going right. Um, but, you know, like I said, we like, like Han said, we, we learn to laugh about it a little bit, you know. The last two shows, like the entrance I was supposed to come in on in your new song, <laughs> was like it's cursed. It was, it was cursed. <laughs> I just, I, and but you know, I got to a point where I was like, okay, well, I'll just play it the way I played it at the taste, and it'll be fine. Sound good. Um, and you just, you just kind of roll with it. I mean, you definitely have ways of communicating without saying anything, for sure. Unless like something's not going right in Joe's ears, and then he just <laughs> yells at me from behind the stage. <laughs> It's fun. I mean, Joe, I, Joe's the drummer, by the way. Yes, that's right. Sorry. Yeah. So, I mean, apparently, according to Jay earlier tonight, that if something goes wrong with like our interaction, I just scream at him frantically. It's like, like holy hell! It's like, oh my god! <laughs> just give you a mic. No. <laughs> I don't know why we don't just give you a mic. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, fair enough. I mean, it definitely, you, there's body, you know, uh, like motions that people make where I know that I can tell that maybe. Like what? Like what? Like, I don't know. I mean, there was a couple moments maybe tonight where, you know, some of the solos sounded different, and I could just tell uh, Hans's body chemistry was, a little, <laughs> you know, it was just a little different, you know? Um, but that's not to say that, I mean, that's kind of the nice thing about live music. You don't, if I, you know, you don't go to a live show, so you, you might, you're not going to just put on a CD and listen to it come over the speakers. You want to hear, like, you want to hear some alternative takes on things. So that's what I like about shows, at least. It's like, oh, wow, you know? sounds a little bit different, you know, so. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Now, uh, you mentioned some of the things that you, you know, that you like about shows. Uh, when you guys go to the concerts as fans, you know, what artists have you guys been inspired by? And you're looking at them on stage and you're seeing, you know, something going on and you know, what, what artists have inspired you guys as, as fans? Uh, well, well, that we've, wait, that we've seen. We, we listen to it. I mean, yeah. 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 performance really hinges on the strength of a song first right and that's not to say that like I mean they were good they were a good live band but you can see like some of their live takes and some of their live songs like they're just different they're looser you know than some of the recordings but that's really cool I really like that and so that kind of that was kind of works in the whole thing like that relaxing on stage and just letting things kind of you know and then like as far as smoke machines go the cure is a great band <laughs> I don't know why people do the smoke machine if you're only going to have one of them. It's not going to work. It's going to be like a tiny amount, like a little wisp of smoke on one side of the stage, and everybody's just going to look over and laugh at it. So, so New Order and The Cure, I'd True, yeah, yeah. New Order and The Cure uh, would a be band's, A band that, that like, is actually seen, like, I think LCD Sound System is up there. Those machines are great. Right? Yeah, like, just that, just that ability to do, like, have so many synth things going on and all the percussion, like, it's incredible. Trying to think of what else. Um, I was gonna say me, big one. me, me and Dan saw Junior Boys last that night, really and they were and they were really impressive. And that, that was really interesting from another perspective, which is you could tell those guys were studio musicians first, because they got out on stage and like I swear to God, it looked like one of them like just got done with his job in finance <laughs> and like rolled in and was like sitting down at the piano, but it sounded awesome, you know. And it's like it's cool to see someone who's just so into like just the music, and you know. That you could tell that it was like it was just totally about you know creating and you know recreating what they'd done in the studio and like creating that vibe and they they did an amazing job of it you know it took a little bit of like getting over the whole like you know he's not wearing skinny jeans and he's not like you know I don't know he doesn't look cool per se but but yeah you know it was really it was I, really awesome I think like in like the internet to go off what Han said because he's exactly right Junior Boys is awesome um, but I think in like the internet age and the, in the 
singles age, as I like to call it. Uh, people have this, so not, some people have this like thought that the songs when you play them live have to sound like exactly like they sound on the record. You know, like it's like everything has to be exact, and it's like, you know, there's so much that goes into like um, recording a record and making it sound a certain way that unless you have like a lot of money behind you and a lot of people working with you, it's really really hard to like capture it exactly. But that's a good. I think that's a good thing. Because I want to hear, like I said, an alternative take on things. So, uh, I don't mean to generalize people, because I know that there are a lot of great music fans out there. I'm just, I see a lot of times, you know, on some of these performances, it, there's so much of an emphasis to make it sound like so much closer to the record, you know? Why, why do you think that is? Is that something that it just... I think just we digest things a lot more a lot more quickly in the, in the internet age, and uh, and when we our, our sense of patience is is kind of whittled down. So we're we're looking for the most perfect thing, you know. For that 10 seconds that we listen to something, we want it to sound awesome and sound great. There's nothing wrong with that. It's natural, but just the way it's presented to us, I suppose. And I really like beer. <laughs> Well, why are you playing, or just in general? No, no I'm just kidding. Um, I, I actually haven't had any. No, I, I definitely do. You drink on stage? No, I don't. I refuse I to drink on stage. Beer, so. Really? You guys? Why? I don't know. I just, I'm not a big drinker in the first place, and I feel like however you practice is probably how you should play. Like you shouldn't practice stone cold sober and then get like way drunk and well, try to play. To be fair, I practiced drunk this week. So. <laughs> All right, well. So I needed to drink a little bit. Why? Why do you do that? Oh no, just I for just. Fun. I, just fun. I, We're making crap. It's, 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 you know, we work, we work really, we work really hard during the week, and so for us to get on stage and to mar that because we've right. been drinking, I would be pretty pissed off if somebody, me included, anybody screwed up because they had been drinking, and we don't. That's not how we play, you know. It's like mad over here. <laughs> hey, don't Did I tell you I took seven me. shots before I played? Oh. Trust me. No. <laughs> Cut the brakes on that van. I, I don't think I, I don't think I probably could. This is how this is how it works. By the way, this degree of process is just damn threatening our lives. And then, and then we're like, oh my god, we need to play well. Dan's gonna smother me with the pillow if I fuck up this time. Um, <laughs> you won't wake up the next morning. I think. Uh, or I'm gonna have a horse head in my bed. There's too many moving parts. I think. You know, it's. It's not like it's not like a hard rock band or something where you just go out there and kick it out. You know, it's at least for me, it's there's too many moving parts. There's too much stuff going on. So anyway, that's hilarious. Yeah, we just had an interesting uh, drunk walk through our interview. Drunk guy just walked, <laughs> <laughs> just walked through here. Now that guy. Loves so that's uh, that guy. Yes. Yeah. To tie it all together. That guy would have sucked if he tried to play music. <laughs> yes, that's the last yeah. thing we learned. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Thank you, whoever you are. Hope we're not too <laughs> off the Thanks cup. Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> We've really taken this interview and gone totally off. No, what are you saying about that's editing? Okay. Might do a little bit of editing on this one. No <laughs> Just a little. No, no editing. There's no time for editing. It's been a long day, so all right, cool. we're doing our best. So, one last question for you guys, and we'll, uh, we'll let you go on your way. Anywhere in the world. In the world. Venue is is, is a, is a you know, relative term. It could be anywhere on the planet, universe, real, whatever. Where would you play? Where would you want to play? I have an, I have an answer. Oh. If it still existed as such, I would love to play Factory Records where, you know, uh, the I, Hacienda. I feel like the Hacienda is shut down. I, I, I swear I read that somewhere. The Hacienda. But it would be awesome if it was open. Because uh, it would be like, this is the stage that New Order, like, Got big on pretty much, you know. I've heard, uh, I've heard the Sasquatch Festival. I think that's in Washington. It's supposed to be like a really pretty, like kind of up in the, not like in the mountains, but it's supposed to be kind of a hilly area. It's supposed to be like a really pretty, yeah, exactly. It's supposed to be a really pretty place to you know see music and play. So. Doing all tomorrow's parties would be pretty sweet. That would be sweet. That would be kind of sweet. Oh, I'm also. I've heard it's kind of a all tomorrow's parties. Yeah, I know. It seems like it'd be a three-day party. So like. The venue would be cool. I'm still waiting to play Metro in Chicago. That's, yeah, right. that's like up there. That's my dream. I mean, like, uh, I'm sure there's tons, but, you know, uh, across, throughout the world, but, like, I'm still waiting on Metro right. one day. Well, you, 
Pritzker, maybe? Pritzker, yeah, I don't know. Thursday. Um, yeah, that's happening Thursday. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, the United I don't know, I'm Center. trying to think about it. United Center, no. Chicago Stadium. I would just rather play, like, I don't know, I was thinking about it. I'd rather play, like, a basement somewhere to some people who are really uh, yeah, enthusiastic. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I, I, I think basement more about the, the crowd the crowd vibe and interaction. Not to say that it wouldn't be sweet, but, I mean, like, I'm really excited about playing the Pritzker, and, uh, I don't know. Red Rocks would be fun. So you guys supposed to be cool. Yeah, I don't, Yanni, I don't know. Yanni played there. Yanni so. played there. Uh, so we could be on the same stage as Yanni. He shaved his mustache. Did you know that? That's uh -huh. a tragic. Musikverein. The Musikverein in Vienna. <laughs> there we go. It's, it's, it's tragic. Remember when he used to be on Channel 11 all the time? He had those big concerts and stuff. Oh, it was great. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much. And uh, it's a pleasure seeing you guys and talking with you. And, uh, yes. Thank you. you. I saw you caught us at a vulnerable moment after two long shows, so we sorry if the interview is too off the cuff. Not a chance. Thanks, guys. Cool. Thanks. All right, live music fans, that just about wraps it up for this podcast. Uh, it's been a pleasure sharing these interviews with you, and uh, thanks again uh, to the California Wives and Anthony with uh, Makeshift Prodigy and um, everybody else uh, with Mobfest. Uh, we had a good time out there, and again, all the music you hear on the podcast, you can go to livefixblog.com. We'll have all the show notes, all the music news, all that stuff we talked about earlier. Go find it there. And again, uh, we'd love to have you guys uh, send responses back and drop uh, you know rates and comments in iTunes. You're listening to this uh, via iTunes. Uh, go ahead and do a rate and uh, let us know in the comments uh, in, uh, in iTunes. And that just about does it. So thanks again for listening, and we will catch you guys later.